This is an excerpt from a letter by Boston Minister William Ellery Channing to Henry Clay protesting the annexation of Texas into the United States in 1837. Channing said, as far back as the year 1829, the annexation of Texas was agitated in the southern and western states, and it was urged on the ground of the strength and extension it would give to the slaveholding interest. In a series of essays ascribed to a gentleman now a senator in Congress, it was maintained that five or six slaveholding states would by this measure be added to the Union, and he even intimated that as many as nine states as large as Kentucky might be formed within the limits of Texas. In Virginia, about the same time, calculations were made as to the increased value which would thus be given to slaves, and it was even said that this acquisition would raise the price 50%. Of late, the language on this subject is most explicit. The great argument for annexing Texas is that it will strengthen the peculiar institutions of the South and open a new and vast field for slavery. By this act, slavery will spread over regions to which it is now impossible to set limits. Texas, I repeat it, is but the first step of aggressions. I trust indeed that Providence will beat back and humble our cupidity and ambition but one guilty success is often suffered to be crowned, as men call it, with greater, in order that a more awful retribution may at length vindicate the justice of God and the rights of the oppressed. Texas, smitten with slavery, will spread the infection beyond itself. We know that the tropical regions have been found most propitious to this pestilence, nor can we promise ourselves that its expulsion from them for a season forbids its return. By annexing Texas, we may send this scourge to a distance which, if now revealed, would appall us. And through these vast regions, every cry of the injured will invoke wrath on our heads. By this act, slavery will be perpetuated in the old states as well as spread over new. It is well known that the soil of some of the old states has become exhausted by slave cultivation their neighborhood to communities which are flourishing under free labor forces on them perpetual arguments for adopting this better system. They now adhere to slavery not on account of the wealth which it extracts from the soil, but because it furnishes men and women to be sold in newly settled and more southern districts. It is by slave breeding and slave selling that these states subsist. Take away from them a foreign market, and slavery would die. Of consequence, by opening a new market, it is prolonged and invigorated. By annexing Texas, we shall not only create it where it does not exist, but breathe new life into it where its end seemed to be near. States which might and ought to throw it off will make the multiplication of slaves their great aim and chief resource. Nor is the worst told. As I have before intimated, and it cannot be too often repeated, we shall not only quicken the domestic slave trade, we shall give a new impulse to the foreign. This indeed we have pronounced in our laws to be felony. But we make our laws cobwebs when we offer to rapacious men strong motives for their violation. 
opened a market for slaves in an unsettled country with the sweep of seacoast and at such distance from the seat of government that laws may be evaded with impunity, and how can you exclude slaves from Africa? It is well known that cargoes have been landed in Louisiana. What is to drive them from Texas? In incorporating this region with the Union to make it a slave country, we send the kidnapper to prowl through the jungles and to dart like a beast of prey on defenseless villages of Africa. We chain the helpless, despairing victims, crowd them into the fetid, pestilential slave ship, expose them to the unutterable cruelties of the Middle Passage, and if they survive it, crush them with perpetual bondage. The annexation of Texas, if it should be accomplished, would do much to determine the future history and character of this country. It is one of those measures which call a nation to pause, reflect, look forward, because their force is not soon exhausted. The chief interest of a people lies in measures which, making perhaps little noise, go far to fix its character, to determine its policy and fate for ages, to decide its rank among nations. A fearful responsibility rests on those who originate or control these pregnant acts. The destiny of millions is in their hands. The execration of millions may fall on their heads. Long after present excitements shall have passed away, long after they and their generation shall have vanished from the earth, the fruits of their agency will be reaped. Such a measure is that of which I now write. It will commit us to a degrading policy, the issues of which lie beyond human foresight. In opening to ourselves vast regions through which we may spread slavery, and in spreading it for this, among other ends, that the slave-holding states may bear rule in national councils, we make slavery the predominant interest of the state. We make it the basis of power, the spring or guide of public measures, the object for which the revenues, strength, and wealth of the country are to be exhausted. Slavery will be branded on our front as the great idea, the prominent feature of the country. We shall renounce our high calling as a people and accomplish the lowest destiny to which a nation can be bound. And are we prepared for this degradation? Are we prepared to couple, to couple with the name of our country the infamy of deliberately spreading slavery, and especially of spreading it through regions from which the wise and humane legislation of a neighboring republic had excluded it? We call Mexico a semi-barbarous people, and yet we talk of planting slavery where Mexico would not suffer it to live. What American will not blush to lift his head in Europe if this disgrace shall be fastened on his country? Let other calamities, if God so will, come on us. Let us be steeped in poverty. Let pestilence stalk through our land. Let famine thin our population. Let the world join hands against our free institutions and deluge our shores with blood. All this can be endured. A few years of industry and peace will recruit our wasted numbers and spread fruitfulness over our desolated fields. But a nation devoting itself to the work of spreading and perpetuating slavery stamps itself with a guilt and shame which generations may not be able to efface. 
the plea on which we have rested that slavery was not our choice, but a sad necessity bequeathed us by our fathers, will avail us no longer. The whole guilt will be assumed by ourselves. It is very lamentable that among the distinguished men of the South, any should be found so wanting to their own fame as to become advocates of slavery. That men who might leave honorable and enduring record of themselves in their country's history should lend their great powers to the extension of slavery is among the dark symptoms of the times. Have they nothing of that prophetic instinct by which truly great men read the future? Can they learn nothing from the sentence now passed on men who 50 years ago defended the slave trade? I have expressed my fears that by the annexation of Texas, slavery is to be continued and extended. But I wish not to be understood as having the slightest doubt as to the approaching fall of the institution. It may be prolonged to our reproach and greater ultimate suffering, but fall it will and must. Moral laws are as irresistible as physical. In the most enlightened countries of Europe, a man would forfeit his place in society by vindicating slavery. The slaveholder must not imagine that he has nothing to do but fight with a few societies. These of themselves are nothing. He should not waste on them one fear. They are strong only as representing the spirit of the Christian and civilized world. His battle is with the laws of human nature and the irresistible tendencies of human affairs. These are not to be withstood by artful strokes of policy or by daring crimes. The world is against him and the world's maker. Every day, the sympathies of the world are forsaking him. Can he hope to sustain slavery against the moral feeling, the solemn sentence of the human race?